Indians, especially with regard to Indian participation. Overshadowed by the Revolutionary War, which began six months after it ended, Dunmore's War remains understudied and largely misunderstood. Many historians have either relegated it to the status of a footnote or briefly summarized the episode as a prelude to the Revolutionary War. This is unfortunate because the war is an intrinsically interesting subject with significance in its own right, and its namesake, Lord Dunmore, is a major historical figure. Many of the currently available histories explain the conflict as little more than an attempt to wrest land from Aboriginal inhabitants and vilify Virginia settlers in general and Lord Dunmore in particular. Others describe it as either a relatively unimportant preliminary to or an intentional diversion of attention from events occurring at the same time in Boston and Philadelphia that signaled the approaching revolution. In contrast, this book shows that Virginia called on the colonial militia to defend its border from invasion and secure strategic objectives consistent with the legal acquisition of land and its royal charter. The causes and conduct of the Indian War were not directly connected to origins of the struggle for American independence. However, the results of Dunmore's War held important consequences that manifested themselves early and throughout that approaching conflict. Various histories of the period that mention Dunmore's War, especially if written since the late 20th century, almost universally characterize Virginia as the aggressor and its soldiers as land-hungry opportunists at best or lawless and racist banditti at worst. The primary sources cited to support that conclusion reflect the less-than-objective perspective of participants who favored the interests of Pennsylvania in its 1774 boundary dispute and competition for dominance of the Indian trade with Virginia. The different views found in Virginia records and the writings of Virginia participants have been largely ignored, marginalized, or dismissed as triumphalist in much of the recent scholarship. Without ignoring the evidence that has provided the basis of opposing interpretations, this book primarily studies the situation as Virginians recorded it. The documentary evidence from those sources shows that the colony's government did not base its policies only on self-serving aggression. Virginia's acquisition of Indian land between 1768 and 1772 met the established legal requirements, conformed to the restrictions set forth in the Royal Proclamation of 1763, and were ratified by the British Crown. Virginia's expansion into the newly ceded land was allowed by law, as contemporary Virginians and government officials viewed it, and reflected the tenets of Enlightenment philosophy on the settlement of new land. Many authors cast the Shawnees in the role of innocent victims. While the statement contains a basis in fact, it does not consider the hostile actions committed against Virginians by bands of Shawnee warriors that preceded or precipitated the conflict. Other historians have similarly blamed the war on Virginia aggression and described the Shawnees as trying to protect their homeland in the face of unauthorized white encroachment. When put another way, perhaps without realizing it, the same authors affirm that the Shawnees acted in their own national interests, as any polity would, including the Virginia colony. Similar interpretations fail to mention that the Six Nations, or Iroquois Confederacy, ceded Shawnee hunting ground to the British as part of the Treaty of Fort Stanwix in 1768. The omission maintains the focus on the dispute between the Shawnees and Virginians, 
without an explanation of the Iroquois Confederacy's involvement in creating the contentious situation. The significance of Six Nations' suzerainty over other native peoples is essential to a complete understanding of the situation on the frontier in 1774 and the causes of Dunmore's War, and is addressed in detail in this book. Some historians argue that Virginia sought to fight a war of conquest against the Indians, and it mattered little which nation or tribe in order to take their land. To support that contention, they argue that Dunmore and other Virginians initially viewed the Cherokees as their next target, but then used the raids of the Mingo-leading warrior known as Logan as an excuse to go to war against the Shawnees. Dunmore's war, in contrast, shows that Logan's faction of Mingos had already allied itself with those Shawnees who were predisposed to war. Another interpretation, often taken by some historians, maintains that after Virginians understood that defeating the Cherokees would...